Thank you so much for that song. It's been such a blessing to sing that again and again. Amen? Amen. And the text is just so fitting for this convention. Overdue. Do we have an awareness of the time that we're living in? I believe that through our fellowship and through our Bible studies and through speaking to each other and, and looking at the world around us that we are indeed becoming more and more aware of the times in which we're living and the calling that God has placed upon our lives. Well, this will be my final message uh, for this ASI convention, and the title of my presentation this morning is Writing the Last Chapter. And though I've been looking forward to present each of these, uh, I have in particular been looking forward to this one because I believe that it especially speaks into the life of young professionals, entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, pastors, lay people. This is a special message for the ASI audience and whoever else is watching, I believe that you'll get a blessing out of it, but I want to specifically speak to those that have been called to minister, those that want to use their profession for God and that realize that it is indeed overdue, that we have a window of opportunity to finish this work that God has called us to do. Uh, We are going to study a parable in scripture, and uh, it's a parable that has fascinated me. The more I study it, the more truths seem to pop out of the page. And it's a parable found in the book of Matthew. We studied Matthew yesterday as well, but we're going to go to another chapter in the book of Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at the parable of the 11th hour workers. But before we do that, I feel that I need prayer, that the spirit that inspired that parable may be the same spirit that guides me and guides you as we examine this passage together. So, shall we pray together? Gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be gathered here again. I want to thank you for the audience here in Norway, but I also want to pray and thank you for all those that are watching from Sweden, from Denmark, and from all the countries that have been represented in this convention. Lord, wherever we are, if we're all by ourselves in our room or we're gathered with a small group of people and watching this, I just pray, Lord, that your spirit may animate our souls, that you will speak in a very personal way into our situation, into our lives. I pray that you will tailor make this message to fit our peculiar and particular situation and circumstances so that we may be strengthened, Lord, as we have moved into a new year to be the generation of workers that you want us to be. I pray that your Holy Spirit may guide us now, that you'll remove all distractions from our mind and from our heart, that we may focus on you and you alone. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, throughout my life, uh, I've always liked to run. Uh, running is some, uh, a passion. It's something that I like to do, especially since I have a job where sometimes, you know, you're a lot in the office and preparing things, uh, communicating with people. So it's always good to get out there and to run, to let your legs carry your body as fast as you can. Um, but, you know, an extra dimension is added when you're engaged in a relay race. And uh, I remember particularly back in the high school years uh, when I was living in the Netherlands that we would often have these races where you team up, you're together with a team, and you have this baton, and then you are running, and then you're giving the baton to the next runner, and then the next runner is running, and, and together as a team, you uh, are seeking to win the race. It adds kind of this dimension of... Um, 
of, 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 of a collectiveness, the dimension of being part of something greater than yourself. You are part of the team and, and the part that you play is going to be determinative whether you will win or lose the race. And so I believe that when we look at the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, that we are actually witnessing a relay race. We are witnessing a story of runners. You know, we have, we have Abraham that was called by God, and Abraham lived by faith, but then he placed the baton in the hands of his son, Isaac. And then Isaac ran the race, and Isaac gave it on to Jacob, and Jacob ran the race. And, 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 and so we have all these characters in Scripture that are handing down the baton to the next runner. And I feel in many ways that, that we, as a generation living in 2020, 2021 now, that we are part of this race that has begun long before us, but we have a very special part to play as the baton is now being placed in our hands. And so as entrepreneurs and, and business owners and, and, and as students and, and lay people in ministry and pastors and Bible workers, we have an opportunity to finish the race. How exciting is that? I mean, just when I think about that, when I, when I ponder upon scripture, I look at the story and I look where we are prophetically in the course of time and just, just think about the privilege it is and the responsibility to take that baton and to actually finish the race. The finishing line is in our sight. It's on the horizon. But the question is, will we take that baton and will we run faithfully? Will we finish our race? Will we write the last chapter? Well, I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you have your Bibles, can you just hold up your Bible for me, please? Okay, wonderful to see all these Bibles. And I hope you're holding up your Bible wherever you are. If you're alone in your room, just hold up your Bible. doesn't matter. If someone walks in, you can explain, I'm going to study the Bible. Amen? <laughs> Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, that's the first book in the New Testament. And go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. We are going to spend most of our time in Matthew chapter 20. I will bring you to one other passage, but um, the bulk of our time is going to be in Matthew chapter 20, a fascinating parable. I love parables, by the way. Parables are these illustrative teachings of Jesus. And as I mentioned, um, I believe in my first presentation, you know, the Bible and Bible teachings, they're, they're like a diamond. And when you hold up the diamond, it's like reflecting light in all different directions. And this is how I feel many times about the truths of Scripture. You have a one parable that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago that was applicable in the historic setting of his days. And yet at the same time, this, this amazing teaching can be held up in the light of God's glory and suddenly it shines into all these different directions. Suddenly it just penetrates the heart and mind and it shows where we are and what we need to do in 2021. It's so exciting to, to see the various dimensions and facets of truth and the layers of truth that we find in Scripture. That's why we are called to study diligently. And so let us examine together this incredible parable, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. I'm, beginning, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. 
Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, this was not an uncommon scene. Oftentimes, you would have laborers or what they would call day workers that would wait in the marketplace in order to be employed for that particular day. The landowner realizes that he has a lot to accomplish and so he's already out in the early morning on the marketplace to hire these day workers, to hire these um, workers. And he makes an agreement with the first group that he meets early in the day. And he says to these workers that are standing there in the marketplace, you know, I need you guys today. I have a lot to accomplish. Can you guys work in my field? And uh, I'm going to give you a denarius. Now, this was a very common wage. Uh, it was uh, the wage of a, of a day's work. And so there's a contract agreement. There's agreement like, you guys come, you work the whole day, and in the end of the day, you'll get your payment. I will give you a denarius. And so this first group of people, they uh, agree, and they, they get into the field, and they start working. But as the hours go, goes by, the... Um, the landowner realizes that there's a lot of work to be done and there's only so many hours in a day. And I, I believe we can all relate to this, right? Sometimes we're busy and we just wish that we had more hours in the day. And so as he's looking at the amount of work that is still before him and the amount of workers he has, he realizes, I need more workers. And so we continue to read in verse 4. Verse 3, it says, And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Verse 5, Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and he did likewise. Now, when it says that the workers in the marketplace are standing idle, now, this does not mean that they are lazy. It doesn't mean that they don't want to work. They just didn't have the opportunity to work yet. Are you with me? Immediately after the invitation is given, they enter into the vineyard. It's not that they're saying, ah, oh, no, we're just here in the marketplace and we're just going to hang out today and we're actually not interested in working. No, immediately when they get the invitation, they're like, yes, oh, it's like they're very thankful for the opportunity to work. So the difference between the first group and the groups that come in in the third hour and in the sixth hour and in the ninth hour is not that those that come in the third and sixth and ninth hour are lazy or don't want to work. The difference is that they have not yet been hired. But the moment they get the invitation, they respond. And they are right there with the rest of the crew in the vineyard working to finish the work. Now, there is a big difference, though, if you have paid attention if you've, and you've read the text carefully. There is a big difference between the first workers and those that came later in the day. And it's not just that they had a shorter work day. That's not the only difference here. So the first workers, they were there from the early hour. And, and oftentimes in those days, they would actually work for 12 hours. And so they're from the beginning right there. Some come in the third hour. Some come in the sixth hour. Some come in the ninth hour. The, the, the main difference is not just that they had a shorter work day. But if you read carefully the text, the main difference is that they didn't have a contract. The first group has an agreement with the landowner. 
The landowner says, I am going to pay you, what, what was he going to pay them? A denarius. A denarius. If you work the whole day here, in the end of the day, I'm going to give you a denarius. Now, when he goes out later to get more workers, and he invites those in the third hour, and in the sixth hour, and in the ninth hour, he doesn't agree with them on what he's going to pay them. Let's go to the text again. What does it say? Verse 4. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. And here it comes. Listen to this. And whatever is right, I will give you. Now, let's just be very honest with each other here. How many of you would like such a work contract? You know, your, your boss, you, you, you're there for, you know, the employment talk and, 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 and the job interview. <laughs> and uh, your boss says, you know what, I think I, th- I, have, I have a lot of work for you to do. And um, so you can start right away. And um, I'll just give what is right. <laughs> and uh, perhaps you're thinking like, does that mean that I can decide what is right? <laughs> No, from the parable, it's very clear. The landowner that is inviting them to work is the one that's going to decide what is right. And so what needs to be in place for you to say, hey, I'm going to be on board. Ah, thank you for the opportunity to work. What has to be there, listen very carefully, is trust. Trust. Trust to who? Trust to the one that has invited you. Trust to your The one that has given you the invitation, trust to the landowner, that he will give indeed what is right. The real difference is that they don't have a work contract. They don't know what they're going to earn, but they trust the landlord. Now, the landlord, I believe in this parable, is a picture of God. Because these parables are not just like interesting stories that the first century um, citizens could relate to. No, this is a story that has spiritual meaning. It, it, it can, this parable can be taken in a, in, a, in a greater context. And I believe what we're looking at here is a landowner that is a picture of God. And God has a work that needs to be finished. We talked about this yesterday in our presentation, A Window of Opportunity. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, it says, And this gospel will go into all the world as a witness before the end comes. And then the end will come, it says. So, So there is a work to be done. The gospel needs to be preached and proclaimed as a witness. God has a vineyard. And he's inviting you to come and to be a worker in that vineyard. Now, when you look at this parable, you can approach it from different directions, and it like, it shines light in in, in a different context. And and I believe one of the contexts that we can view this parable uh, from is, is the idea that throughout time, throughout the scriptural story, that God has a work that needs to be done, and the work that he wants to have done is that his character, the character of God, needs to shine into all the world. And so first he called the Jewish nation to do that. Through Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish nation were called to be a light unto the Gentiles, to, be, to bring a blessing into the world. 
And in many ways, God had an agreement with them. As a matter of fact, you read the Old Testament, it's full of these, you know, uh, consequences to the actions of the Israelites. You know, you have the blessings that will flow from being obedient to God, and then you have the curses that will result from disobedience and turning their backs on God. And so God was very clear in his agreement, so to speak, with Israel, his, so to speak, contract or covenant with Israel that that this is what's going to happen if you're obedient. This is what's going to happen if you go your own way. And so this nation was called to be workers in God's vineyard. But sadly, the story of scripture portrays a people that oftentimes were stubborn And the Bible says they were hard-hearted and they went their own way and they were not interested in bringing glory to God and making him known. And so we have this story of how God raised up prophets to call his people back to their task, to call them to be workers in his vineyard and to do what God had called them to do. And as we move into the New Testament, we see very clearly how Jesus, when he came, he started calling people that they, that they, that the Jews were surprised. Like, how can you be calling that person? Aren't we the chosen nation? And it's almost like the parable is being played out in front of our eyes. And, and, and suddenly now Jesus, in the third and the sixth and the ninth hour, as we've moved past the Old Testament period, he's now calling others like Gentiles to work for him. And he's just saying, you know, you, you can come in. You can be part of the kingdom. You can be part of proclaiming my message. And you'll just get whatever is right. Whatever is right. It's a, it's a message that frustrated the Jewish nation. Many of the religious leaders, they looked upon that and thought, how can he do that? How can he be inviting her? How can he be inviting him? Don't, doesn't he know? We are the seed of Abraham. And so the parable has an application to the larger picture panoramic scope of Scripture. But then the parable is not just uh, portraying the larger picture of Scripture. The parable, in a marvelous, beautiful, amazing way, is also very applicable to to our specific time. And uh, I find it interesting because um, I believe this speaks to lay workers today. I believe this is a special parable to an ASI audience. Now, and, and we can just bring the parable into 2021 for a moment. What a message to entrepreneurs and business owners and ministry leaders and lay evangelists and young professionals and students. When you sacrifice to God's work, he will take care of you. Amen? He will give you whatever is right. When you reduce your opportunities for financial profit to put more time into God's vineyard, he will give you what is right. Can you say amen? Now, you know, um, some of us, we are so-called tent makers. You know, we, we, have, uh, we want to work in ministry, and we do work in ministry, but we also make our living by our profession. And, and it's interesting because as a tent maker, there's, there's, there's always this kind of, you know, balance, uh, this, this thing that you need to navigate through. Uh, you need to find your way to make your financial, you know, uh, living, and at the same time, you want to give to God's cause, Right? 
And uh, it's interesting because sometimes um, we will be put in a narrow spot where we have to decide, oh, am I going to go for profit or am I going to go now for God's work? But let me tell you, whoever's listening to this, you online, wherever you are, if you are in this particular situation where you are in a tent-making ministry, I just want to say to you that this parable speaks specifically to you and it tells us that God is trustworthy and if you put him first, he will give whatever is right. Amen? He will make sure that you have enough in the end of the month. He will make sure that when you prioritize the kingdom of God and when you put him first, that all things will be added. When you sacrifice time to God's work, he will take care of you. Now, what is right, you might ask? Now, I can't answer that for you, uh, but I know that he is faithful. Amen? And I believe that a few seconds, milliseconds into eternity, we will know that it was right. Amen? We will know that it was right. Financial loss on this earth for the sake of eternal treasure remains the best investment. Can you say amen? Now, perhaps you need to be reminded today that that God does indeed take care of his children. You know, before I um, worked as a pastor... I was a lay evangelist for many years. Uh, For 12 years, Sylvia and I were running our ministry, Living Water. I did not receive any uh, salary from uh, the church. Uh, I was in in a lay ministry. And uh, so I know what it's like to, especially in lay work, to trust that God will provide for our needs. Now, I remember that my wife and I, we made a, a commitment to God very early on in our ministry. And the commitment was that if a call would come from God to serve, and we could clearly you know, discern that it was God's calling indeed, that we would respond to it no matter what financial loss it would bring us. In other words, if we got an invitation to speak somewhere and we felt that the Lord was calling, but the finances were not exactly there, we made early on a decision. We will step out in faith because we believe that our employer is God himself and he will give what is right. He will take care of us, even if this means financial loss on this earth. And um, I can tell you some interesting, somewhat funny stories actually about this. Because um, uh, as we would travel, and this is especially in the early years of our ministry, um, you know, you, you, you want to serve. And, and so we went, to, we went to various countries, and I won't, I won't mention which countries these are, but, but we were in certain countries where we would work, and um, we would find out that um, it wasn't ex- exactly the agreement that we thought. Um, things worked out a little bit different. And so um, we would be preaching the gospel, and then, and then afterwards the, the bill would come from the ones that invited us. It's like, oh, I thought, we were, I thought you were our host. <laughs> and then comes the bill. Yeah, you can pay for this, and you can pay for that, and you can pay for that. I remember one place where we were preaching, preaching at a camp meeting, and thousands of people there, and, and it's great. And then afterwards they bring us, and they show the offices and say, can, can, can you get us another computer, please? And I was like, do, do I look rich just because I'm from Europe? You know, these kind of situations and circumstances that we came into. 
And, but, but you know what is beautiful? Sometimes, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, people uh, will meticulously calculate how much they have to pay you. Oh, you came, but you came together with your wife, but she didn't do anything. So uh, she is, by the way, a great support when you travel. But, you know, we're just going to pay your ticket. And, and, and they meticulously calculate this was how much the ticket costs. And they don't remember that I drove to the airport and I had to park my car and I'm away from my home. And so they give you exactly what they want to give you. And, and, and then at the end of the month, there was always enough. And the interesting thing is that there were other people that always gave more and abundant. And, and, and some people were just so generous. They, they would place envelopes in our hands. And we'd be like, wow, God, thank you so much. This is exactly what we need right now. And it was like this, this journey of faith and trust. And, 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 and always God gave what was right. And so, and so in the end, we could just learn to trust him and to, to put our confidence in him. And, and sometimes the, there was financial loss and, and sometimes there was financial gain. But, but in the end, it didn't really matter because souls were being saved for the kingdom. Can you say amen? And so can I just speak to you, ASI audience, that, that don't be too occupied with financial profit in your business. Be occupied with winning souls for Jesus and he will give whatever is right. Amen? He will give whatever is right. He has promised this. You know, I love the story of in Exodus chapter 16 of, of the manna and, and God's people are in the wilderness and, and they have nothing to eat and then God rains down manna and he gave exactly what they needed every single day. Not too little, not too much, just the manna that they needed. The sustenance, the, the nutrition, the food for that day. As your day, so shall your strength be. And they received this for six days. And as you know from the story in Exodus chapter 16, on the sixth day, God gave a double portion of manna. And it didn't rot, it didn't go bad, and they had enough on the Sabbath. You know, when you honor God's commandments, God will reward you for that. And so if you're running your business and, and it's difficult to be closed on the Sabbath and, and you have a, uh, there's this perplexing situation because it seems that you need to choose between keeping your business open and working on Sabbath or shutting it down on Sabbath and it seems that this will be the end of your business. Put your trust in God, amen? You know, look at the text of Exodus chapter 16. He will take care of you. Trust him and he will give whatever is right. And as I said before, a few seconds into eternity, we will know it was right. God rewards faithfulness. And even if it would incur financial loss on this side of eternity, faithfulness is worth it. Can you say amen? Now, um, let's, let's look a little bit more into this, into this parable because we have found out now there's, a, there's the first group that is going to receive the denarius for, for their work. They know what to expect at the end of the day. Then there's the group that has come in the third hour, the group that has come in the sixth hour, the group that has come in the ninth hour, and they have no idea what they're going to earn in the end of the day. Now, let's continue to read here. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 6. And the Bible says... And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And again, they're not standing idle because they're lazy. They're standing idle because they have not yet been invited. They have not had the opportunity. And they have not been, been hired. It says, and, and they sa he said to them, the landowner says to them, Why have you been standing idle here all day? Verse 7. They said to him, Because no one hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard. And here, here it comes again, same agreement as the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour workers. And whatever is right, you will receive. 
So they also received the same invitation, the same promise, the same commitment. Now, I believe in many ways that the 11th hour workers are a picture of our generation today. And as I said, the parable can be approached on different levels and it has different, different facets to it. Uh, but think about this. Here we are in the end of time. If we just took the parable for a moment and we stretch it out over uh, world's history, we could say that the first hour workers would be the beginning of the world, the calling that was given to those that we read about in Genesis. And if we then follow throughout time, then the 11th hour workers would be those that are living in the final generation before Jesus comes. Are you with me? And so you and I, uh, in many ways, are those 11th hour workers that are invited to enter into the vineyard of God, to work, to accomplish this great call of preaching the gospel as a witness to all generations before Jesus comes. Now, the 11th hour workers, perhaps um, the Bible tells us here that, uh, that they were standing in, the idol, uh, standing in the marketplace waiting for the opportunity to work. It's interesting that, you know, ASI has a slogan. Do you know the slogan of ASI? Sharing Christ. Can you finish it for me? In the marketplace. Okay, so if you're standing idle in the marketplace and you don't have a clear call yet, just use your time to share Christ there while you wait for your calling. Amen? Just wait, just share Christ even in the marketplace. Even when you're waiting to, 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 to have further direction as to the particular call or profession that God has called you to be part of, even while you're into that, into that, in that state of waiting, you can share Christ. Amen? If you're a student at your college, a student in your university, if you're volunteering at some ministry, use all of your opportunities to share Christ wherever you are. It's interesting that uh, ASI is not just about um, recruiting, but ASI is, is, is also about networking, right? Networking and resourcing so that you can find a place in the vineyard. I believe that ASI has a special purpose, and that purpose is to, to show uh, a generation of people how they can use their skills and resources and talents and giftings to, to channel that to forward the work of God. That is a special task that has been given to ASI, that ASI has been raised up to do. And so I pray that also in the course of these conferences, that it's not just that you've been inspired by the Bible, but, the, 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 but that also you have gained some direction as to what God is calling you to do. Perhaps you can start as a volunteer. There are many ministries that need your gifts. And I can just assure you, you, you will receive what is right. And it might not be a big salary pay, and it might not be um, you know, uh, something for a long-term career, but even just stepping out and volunteering in ministry, God will take care of you. There are ministries that need your giftings, amen? And you can take that step in faith. You know that the greatest enemy of present action is future ambition? You know, one day I'm going to do something great. Oh, one day. Just wait when I have my own business or when I'm running this or doing that. And, and in the meantime, well, I'm just going to stand here idle because one, just wait, just wait. The enemy of present action is oftentimes future ambition. Now, it's good to have future ambition. Don't get me wrong. We should have ambitions. Amen. But don't let your future ambition hinder you from the present action that God is calling you to right here, right now. We have nothing to lose. We need to take a step in faith because we will receive what is right. And you know why we can assure ourselves that we will receive what is right? Because he is right. 
Amen? He is righteous in all his ways. You know, I've often said to my wife, when we come into challenging situations in ministry and and there doesn't seem to be any way forward, there's this expression that we often say to each other in those circumstances and situations. We'll say, this is a time to wet our feet. And we know exactly what what we're talking about when we say that because there's a story in Scripture about God's people that have to pass through the Jordan. And the Bible tells us that as they're going to pass through the Jordan, that the priests that are carrying the ark, they step into the water. And it's only when they step into the water and their feet are wet that the way is opened up. And I believe that many times in ministry we will come into those circumstances where there seems just to be no way forward. There's this, 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 this river uh, as an obstacle in front of us. But by faith, my friends, we can take a step. We can wet our feet. And when our feet are in the water, God will open up the river. Amen? He will provide a way forward. Now, the parable ends in a remarkable and unexpected way. Take notice of verse 8. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 8, it says, So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages. And here comes the the kind of awkward part. (laughs) He says, beginning with the last to the first. Now you would expect that the other way around, especially in our corporate Western uh, mindset of fairness. Uh, We would think like, hey, those that have worked all day from from the early start, they should get their wage first. That makes most sense. But here in the parable, Jesus says, no, that's not how it's going to work. Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last, those that have those 11th hour workers, pay them first. Verse 9. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they received, look at this, they each received what? A denarius. A denarius. Like, that's the payment for the whole day, and the 11th hour worker receives that wage. And when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. They think, okay, if, 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 if the 11th hour worker is getting a denarius, even though, God, even though um, the um, landowner uh, promised us a denarius, we'll probably get more now. So they're anticipating more. But then it says, they likewise received each a denarius, verse 11. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day? But he answered... He answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as I gave you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? Verse 16, so the last will be the first and the first last. So many are called, but few are chosen. What a fascinating end to this parable. Like, like so the, 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 uh, what we anticipate and expect doesn't happen. Suddenly the whole thing is turned upside down. And, and, and those that have only worked one hour, they receive the denarius. And, and the landowner purposefully lets the others see it. Because he could have just given, you know, the denarius to the, to, the, to the workers that were there from the beginning of the day. And they would have gone away. And they would have been perfectly happy. There would be no issue And then he could give the third hour, the sixth hour, and each could receive a denarius and they could go their way and no one would have any problem with what happened. But here, purposefully, the whole thing is turned around. What's going on here? You know, sometimes grace measures things differently. 
Sometimes when we look at the, at the story of grace and the, and the plan of salvation, uh, things are, 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 are happening that we don't expect. There's suddenly these turns and twists in the story. Think about this other parable in, in Luke chapter 15. It's actually one parable, three stories. The, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. It's like this unexpected turn to these stories. Here's a man that has a hundred sheep. And then he loses one. One is lost. And then he leaves the 99 to search for that one. And there's all kind of questions that you could ask. Like, does it make sense? Are the other 99 okay? Are they left all by themselves? This seems almost irresponsible to go and search for that one sheep, right? But, but it's the gospel story. The gospel story of grace. And then you have the second story about this woman that has a coin and she loses the coin. And then, you know, she, she searches for that coin. And once she finds that coin that was lost... She invites all of her neighbors and they have this big feast to celebrate the coin. And I'm thinking to myself, didn't she just spend more money on that feast than the coin that she actually found? <laughs> and, then, and then you have the third story, you know, which seems also so illogical. There's this guy that is faithfully working all his life for his father. And then there's the younger son that just doesn't care. He's careless and he goes his way and, and you know, he just uses all the money of his dad. And then he comes back. And, and instead of being corrected, he's the one that gets the feast. Like, it doesn't seem to make sense. And, and, and we look at the older brother, we say, hi, you shouldn't be so angry. But actually, the older brother, from a Western, you know, corporate understanding, is the only one that makes sense in the parable, in the story. In our thinking today, we would think, yeah, but he, he's the one that is thinking clear here. But there's something different when it comes to grace and salvation. Things are measured a little bit differently. Amen? And, and, and the older brother is grumpy because of what is happening. And, and, and in the parable of the 11th hour workers, those that have worked all day, they're standing in the end of the line and looking over there. And there's the 11th hour worker that just came in for one hour and he's getting the same pay. They are, they are frustrated. This is unjust. Now, let's not fall into the temptation, friends. As we run our ministries, let's not fall into the temptation of comparing ourselves with others. Because <laughs> that can be a real problem. I mean, just look at it, especially in our world today in 2021, where we have all these social uh, you know, networking platforms and, and uh, we, we, we look at, at how many likes someone else gets or, or, or how financially good that ministry is doing or that person is doing. And, and we can so easily fall into the comparison trap. Like, uh, why him? Why her? You know, forgetting that actually this work is not about the individual pay, it's about finishing the work. You see, the problem would not be there if everyone had as goal to finish the work. Then those that have worked all day, they would be like, yes, 11th hour workers, we can actually finish this job today. And if the 11th hour worker got the same pay as them, it wouldn't matter because the whole point is the work has been finished. Amen? So ASI, let us be about the finishing of the work. Let's not compare with each other like, oh, that ministry is doing better. That ministry is getting more likes. That ministry is getting more finances. They have a nicer studio than me. No, let's just be about finishing the work. Amen? There's a work to be done. There's a work to be done. And 11th hour workers are called to finish this work together with all those that have been working throughout this day, throughout these generations. 
Do you think that all the generations that have gone before us, if we take this over a bigger scope of time, do you think that other workers are kind of grumpy because uh, the 11th hour workers are going to get the same pay? They're going to receive heaven in the end? They're going to be with Jesus throughout eternity? No! Everyone's going to rejoice because together we receive the reward of being with our Savior. Amen? Being with our God throughout eternity. I want to show how this plays out. Turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy. Because here we have the Apostle Paul that has come to the end of his life. This is the last letter that we have recorded from from Paul. And he writes to his co-worker Timothy. And in 2 Timothy he is reflecting back on his life of ministry. He's reflecting back on how he's been a worker in the vineyard of God. And I want you to take notice of his words here. I love it. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is like the legacy of Paul to young Timothy that is going to take the baton and continue to run the race faithfully. And Paul looks back and he knows that he's soon going to die as a martyr. And he says the following. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering... And the time of my departure is at hand. He knows soon he's going to die as a martyr. Verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. That's the denarius, my friends. <laughs> the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And I love how he concludes this thought. He says, and not to me only. Like, it's not just about me and, and my ministry and, and me getting my pay in the end. He says, no, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen? That means the first hour worker. That means the second hour worker. That means the third hour worker. That means all the workers that came after Paul till the end of time. Paul says, I've run my race. I've come to the end. There's the denarius, the crown that is waiting for me. But he's very aware that this is not just his work. This is a collective work of all of God's children throughout generation, from generation to generation. And he says, all of them will receive that crown. All those that love him. Amen? The question is, do you love him? Do you love him? Because that's really what makes the difference. Love makes work easy. Amen? Love doesn't look at the reward. Love is, is occupied with, with, with a being that we are in communion with. We love his appearing. Jesus is our treasure. There's another parable in Matthew where, 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 where Jesus talks about this man and, he, and, he, and he's digging in a field that is not his and then he comes across this treasure. And the treasure is a picture of Jesus, the gospel. And then, the, and then in the parable it says that he goes and, and he sells all that he has in order to purchase that field and to obtain that treasure. The world looked on this and, and it looked foolish. It looked silly. Why would he buy that ugly, desolate, empty field? Well, because he's found something there. Amen? Have you found Jesus? Is Jesus your treasure? Is he your Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end? Is he your, is he your rock, your firm foundation? Is he your shepherd? Does he guide you? Is he your prince of peace, the wonderful counselor? You know, your heavenly father. You have a brother in heaven that is interceding for you as your high priest. Soon he will come as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is your friend. 
And if you love him, then this work will be easy. This work will actually be a delight when you love him. And this was the fact for Timothy, uh, for, for Paul, even though he is decaying in a prison cell about to face a martyr's death, he has great joy because he has fought the fight, the good fight of faith. He has run the race. He has written the last chapter of his life faithfully. And now he places the baton into Timothy's hand. And uh, I love these words that he writes to Timothy here because he knows that it's going to be a challenging uh, time ahead. He realized that the race is like intensifying. And as he places the baton into the hands of Timothy, he knows that as Timothy is going to continue to run the race of the gospel, that things are not going to get easier. Things are not going to get lighter. Things are going to get more difficult and more heavy. And, and there's going to be resistance on all levels. And so Paul says the following to him in verse 4. This is one of the most uh, serious, uh, straightforward uh, appeals that we find in the New Testament that, that Paul gives to young Timothy and he says the following. And I believe it's like an appeal that is being given to us. So as we are 11th hour workers receiving the baton from the generation before us, this charge that Paul gave to Timothy is like a charge that God is giving each one of us today. Chapter 4 verse 1. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word amen preach the word be ready in season and out of season that means be 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 ready when it's convenient preach the gospel when it's convenient preach the gospel also when it's not convenient preach the gospel when you can gather together but also preach the gospel when you seem to be hindered ah think back on 2020 you know, how many times have we felt that, how are we going to do this? But God can, God can use you to preach the gospel even when the world is on lockdown. In season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Have we come to that time? Oh, yes. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Listen, verse 5, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Oh, can't those words just sink into your mind right now? As a lay person, as a pastor, as a Bible worker, as a student, as a business owner, whoever you are, wherever you are, let the words of Paul to Timothy sink into your mind and heart today. Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. With all the days that we still have left in front of us, let's use each and every day to the glory of God. What do you say? Let's make 2021 a year where we fulfill our calling and our ministry. And you know, when you run the race, you don't want to have any burdens. You don't want to have anything that, is, that, that, that you are having to carry along when you run that race and write that last chapter. You know, I, um, I just love the book uh, Pilgrim's Progress. And I've been already giving a couple of book uh, recommendations. So here's another one. 2021, if you want to have a good book to read and you haven't read it yet, Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan, amazing classic on, on the, the Christian journey. And, and you know, uh, he describes 
Christian, which is the main character in the story, on his way to the celestial city. But he has this huge, big backpack on his back. And so he's seeking to run the race, but, you know, he's just being burdened down by his backpack. But then he comes to Calvary. And listen to this part of the story. As John Bunyan writes, he says, Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall. And that wall was called Salvation. Up this way, therefore, he burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came at a place somewhat ascending, but upon that place stood a cross, and a little below in the bottom, a sepulcher. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came to the cross, his burden loosed off from his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble and so he continued to do it, uh, to do until he came to the mouth, of, to, until it came to the mouth of the sepulchre where it fell in. The burden went right into the grave. Then was Christian glad and lightsome, Bunyan writes, and said with a merry heart, "He hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death." Then he stood there a while to look and wonder. For it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him from his burden. He looked, therefore, and looked again, even till the springs that were in his head sent waters down his cheeks. Don't you like the way of writing that? Now, as he stood looking and weeping, behold, three shining ones came to him and saluted him, saying, Peace be to thee. So the first said to him, Thy sins be forgiven thee. The second stripped him of his rags, clothed him with a change of garment. The third also set a mark in his forehead and gave him a roll with a seal upon it, which he bade him look on as he ran, that he should give it when he came to the celestial skate. My friends, we are running a race. Amen? And if you are carrying the burden of sin, if you are carrying this heavy load this backpack that is keeping you from running. I pray that ASI 2021, that this ASI may be a turning point in your life. That by the grace of God, you will come face to face with your Savior, Jesus Christ. That you will look and live. That you will look at the cross and that that burden may roll away into the empty grave because He is risen. Can you say amen? And that burden is not something that you have to carry with you in order to run the last lap of this race as 11th hour workers. Let us lay our sins behind us. Let us look unto the author and finisher of our faith because he is faithful. Amen. How many of you want to say this morning, I want to be part of God's final movement, the 11th hour workers. Amen. Can you just raise your hand wherever you are here in the auditorium, wherever you are in your home, just raise your hand and say, I want to be that 11th hour worker. I want to be faithful. I want to receive that reward when Jesus comes. I want to spend eternity with him and I want to use the rest of my days, the breath and energy that God has given to finish the work of spreading the gospel on this earth. Amen. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this ASI convention. I want to thank you for every single participant and all those that have tuned in in on various platforms and that are with us in this moment. I want to pray, Lord, that you will inspire our hearts, that you will shape our thinking, 
so that 2021 may be a year to your glory and your glory alone. Lord, help us to prioritize right in our business. Help us to prioritize right in our studies and work and things that we do and things that we refrain from doing. Lord, give us direction. Help us to ever have before us the reward of being in eternity with you. And help us, Lord, to trust you above everything else, to trust that you will give whatever is right, because you are right. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Let all of God's people, let all of God's 11th hour workers say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.